Hello, friends, and welcome to the Optimized Advisor Podcast, where we focus on optimizing the well-being and best practices of insurance and financial professionals today. On this show, our objective is to help you optimize your life, optimize your profession, and learn from other optimized advisors. I'm your host, Scott Heinola. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, hello, Justin Bat with Daddy Saturday. Thank you, thank you for joining us. I got to tell you, I'm chomping at the bit to get into a bunch of this content here in conversation with you. I could go on with you for hours about this. I'm so energized by your movement, your passion and purpose behind Daddy Saturday. We'll dive into that. But if you could, please do us the favor and give yourself a proper introduction and uh, maybe talk a little bit about what brought you to this movement of yours. Well, thanks, Scott. I'm honored to be on with you today. And it's such a an encouragement. I know you're an amazing, intentional dad yourself, so we could probably talk about these concepts for hours and hours. You know, I started on this journey over 13 years ago. I've been married to my wife, Heather, for 15 years at this point, and we had our first daughter 13 years ago, Hayden Olivia. We added three boys to the mix after that, um, Blaine, Mason, and Easton. They're all now 13, 11, 8, and 6, and we've got a full household and, you know, 13 years ago when this all started, Scott, I was uh, a corporate dad. And my wife was starting uh, her career as a teacher. She decided to leave teaching and pursue uh, an entrepreneurship around the bridal concept and opened a wedding dress store in Charlotte, North Carolina, which she still has today. Named it after our daughter and off to the races we went. I found myself at home alone with our four, one child at the time, now four kids, shortly after that on Saturdays all day long while she was working at her store. And I had one of those moments where God kind of smacked me upside the head and said, Justin, you got a choice. You can use this time with your kids as a blessing or a burden. The choice is yours, but you got to make up your mind and then be all in on whatever you're going to do. And I just had that wake up moment and said, I want to engage my kids and create these epic moments and memories on those Saturdays. So it started in our backyard years ago with me being intentional and creating those epic moments turned into something that I found I could use to help other dads find the same results that I had had that we're improving my relationship with my kids, our communication, our ability just to come together and spontaneously engage in, in dynamic fun. Even my relationship with my wife was improved as a result of this. So I was asked to give a TEDx three years ago and the TEDx was on the topic of fatherhood and fatherlessness in particular. And I just learned about this burden in our world where particularly in the US, we've got 24 million kids in America alone that don't have a biological dad in the home. I also learned about the millions more that are in the home physically present, but emotionally absent. And I said, you know, I've got a solution for that. I can help those dads engage their kids and to have an intentional relationship with them. That's going to transcend and build a legacy that they've always sought after. And not long after that, I wrote the book and decided to embark on this journey, which now has turned into an international movement and we're helping dads and fatherless kids all over the world. That's fantastic. I, you know, I, I, I connected with you through LinkedIn, social media and, uh, read your story. I think I, which not yet, but I definitely want to talk about your 72 hour trips, your winning trips, if you will, we could dive into that, but I was just, I don't know, gravitationally pulled towards what you're trying to do. And, um, look at the, at its basic level, my goal as a father is to not be a degenerate. And if I can be better than that, then we're doing a really good thing. And, you know, the author, the title of your book it starts with how to be an intentional dad to raise good kids who become great adults. And uh, anybody who's a dad knows that it's a challenge, but it's such a wonderful blessing and gift. Uh, our two boys, I don't have four kids. I've got the two boys. 
they're they're in so many ways similar um, and the best of friends sometimes it's almost annoyingly so because uh, they just feed off each other and all that but but also they're very different and 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 so learning that their behaviors are different although they have many mutual interests they have a lot of different interests and so being a good leader and to lead them along in life is something I'm just very passionate about and want to study that and learn that. And like I said, I jokingly say, you know, if I'm doing better than being a generate, degenerate dad, we're doing a good thing. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to take this excerpt from your book in the beginning. There's a couple nuggets that I pulled through the book. I learned the lesson of pivoting by not allowing the stressful parenting circumstances to dictate my contentment with or with our time together on Saturdays. As a parent, you just have to let stuff go and pivot, and sometimes those pivots turn out to be the best moments. Part of that book was when you were, you know, you had babies and diapers and all of that, and and doing your daddy Saturday thing, and um, what what a great statement to make, and we deal with it every single day as parents. We do, and and I think we've all learned the lesson. You know, I wrote the book way way pre COVID, and we've really learned the power of the pivot in the last year. Many of us have had to make dramatic pivots in our lives and our careers and our businesses, but that just didn't affect us professionally. It also affected us personally. And there's a lot of pivots that had to be made in parenting too. Kids were home from school, virtual schooling, virtual learning, stuck in the house, especially during the, the poor weather seasons, depending on where you lived. And so there's a lot of pivots that had to be made in terms of the time, the energy, the effort, the intentionality that we put towards our kids. And so, you know, I think that in general, that concept of learning how to pivot with your parenting is important, but probably more paramount and more important now than ever with COVID and just the world that we live in, you know, change is, is the norm, right? And so things are constantly changing and being a parent today is harder than it's ever been before. Being a dad, there's more distractions on dads than there's ever been before. And so I think you're far more than a degenerate, but I think that, you know, the <laughs> parent, but the, you know, focusing on the ability to pivot and make those changes in your parenting to constantly move forward create that positive momentum is, is so important. And, you know, those pivots are going to change as your kids grow in age as circumstances and environments change and mastering the power of the pivot is really critical. I think one of the things that I've learned about pivoting specifically is that, you know, it's, we get stuck in our ways sometimes. And it's not like we have this field manual for fatherhood or for parenting that we're given. We've got to learn on the fly in a lot of ways, but one of the best things we can do is learn from other people, right? Focus on what have you seen in terms of other parents who have raised successful kids? Are you going and sitting down with them and asking for their advice? Are you studying parenting? Are you studying fatherhood? Are you studying your kids and understanding who they are and what they were designed to be and what their calling is going to be based on their personality and their characteristics like you just mentioned? Those are all things that can help you be informed and educated so when it's time to make a pivot, you can make that pivot successfully. You know, it's funny how the world works. Um, at our church, we were, uh, they're going through a whole series right now on parenting. And I love our pastor. He's he's in his probably his mid fifties. But one thing I love about his delivery is it is sarcastic. It's very personable. It's not stoic. Um, and he started this by by really introducing the fact that I have four kids. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not an expert. Uh, but I but I can provide insights as to the challenges that I've faced and maybe some of the mistakes that I've made along the way. And uh, one of the things in this specific uh, sermon that he delivered was just about how at their, at, at a child's early age, 
we, we can kind of run with the rule of thumb. You know, we have total control over their life. You don't do what I tell you. That's fine. No, no iPad, no video games, this kind of a thing. And they, they pivot, right? They did, they, they follow our, our, our rule, but as they grow and they spread their wings and they mature, we lose that control as a parent. Um, we only hope that they're empowered to make good decisions and they'll make mistakes. And so I, I just, the timing of all of this resonated just so kind of perfectly in, in, in all of this. Um, you know, you, you, you talked also in your book here about what you mentioned for a brief second earlier, but possessing a blessing. So on our wall here, I, I have the word mindset and it says, it's the only word you can't control. And in your book, it was so powerful to me when you talked about when, when possessing a blessing versus a burden mindset is critical because every time we have an interaction with our kids, if we're mindful, we can move the relationship forward and respond in a loving way. All too often, you know, you just kind of get caught up in that and I, you know, being intentional, being deliberate and knowing and just uh, accepting that, it was a huge um, eye-opener for me. Well, you know, it was an eye-opener for me too, because I was living it out. And and what I came to understand about myself is that I've got a, an extremely high personal velocity. I'm a high D on the disc profile. My RPM gauge is in the red most of the time. And I, I run at a really fast pace. And many times I was running outrunning the pace of my people, meaning my family. And I had to learn that sometimes I had to take a step back and understand where they were in the process and that they don't always run and move like I moved. And many times I had to change my mindset in the way that I viewed my family, because in my, in my viewpoint, they could be slowing me down. They could be holding me back. It's a terrible thing to think about your family, but that's the way I feel like about a lot of people in my life mm -hmm. It's because of the way that I'm wired. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of executives are also wired that same way, right? They're hard chargers. They're going hundred percent all the time. And I had to really reframe my mindset around, Am I viewing my kids as an inconvenience or am I viewing them as an assignment? And, and it wasn't like that all the time, but I had to check in with myself and say, you know, how am I viewing my kids? What is my mindset towards my children? Am I, when I do have time with them and I finish work for the day, am I really shutting work off? Am I fully engaged, right? Or am I still hanging on and letting some of that work dwindle and drift into my relationship with my kids and my time with them, or am I fully present and fully engaged, right? That's a mindset principle. Um, on those Saturdays, was I just trying to pass the hours and get through the eight to 10 hours that I had with my kids and fill the gaps in time and pray for the time my wife came home? Or was I fully engaged to them with the point where she shows up and they're in bed and they're exhausted from their day and I'm sitting down going, that was the best day ever, right? And looking back and how do I set that up for success? So mindset is so important in everything in life, but it's also important in parenting. And I think it's one of those things that I can't tell you, Scott, the number of CEOs and executives and not hard charging entrepreneurs that I've talked to that have read every business book there is, but they've never read a book on parenting. They've never focused on the principles of parenting and being a better father than they have in being a, a better board leader, board member, or, or executive. And so mindset and all we do is important. It's also important to look at our mindset in terms of parenting. It's so true. It's just so often an just autopilot, right? Being a dad, it, you know, it is what it is, as opposed to saying, no, 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 you know what, I'm going to be very deliberate and intentional about the fact that I can learn on how to handle behaviors and how I can change my mindset and things that I can do differently. So 
Let's talk a little bit about your daddy Saturdays, uh, how that's evolved over the years and some resources that are available. What I loved is this is not about being, you know, expensive, lavish, none of that. Um, and so just talk a little bit about that. I thought there was some great stuff there. Yeah. You know, I, this all started with me just wanting to be a, a better and more engaged dad to my own kids. Right. It was all about them. And it started by me setting some time aside during the week to say, you know what, if I'm going to have a good Saturday with my kids, cause that's my day with them. My wife's working all day. I know I have those kids and have that time. Then how do I make the best use of that time and maximize my relationship with my kids? And so I would spend on Wednesday nights or sometimes on Friday nights, instead of watching a movie or vegging out, I'd go on YouTube or I would, I'd be reading a book or I would go do research. I call it R and D right. Rip off and deploy. I'd go find other things that I could steal and deploy the next day with my kids. And I'd plan our day out together. I didn't, wouldn't just wake up and walk into that Saturday. And that was the secret sauce, right? We would wake up and I'd get what we call the, the hype going. So we'd get them all hyped up about the day. We'd have them running out of their rooms when they were young. Like it was, they're running out of a locker room into the stadium. I'd have music playing. I'd have pancakes going Um, We would just get all hyped up and get the kids excited. And they were just so jacked for that time together. And it was like, hey, look, we get to spend time with dad. Dad's all in on us. And we know that whatever we're going to do, it's going to be fun. There were many of those days where I was completely a failure. Like, I'm not a handy guy. So I try to build these obstacle courses for my kids and they'd fall apart and they wouldn't work out. And, you know, oftentimes those are some of our best days where we had to call an audible and go find something else to do. And it just ended up being spontaneous and it was more fun. So the point wasn't that the plan always worked. It was the fact that I had a plan, which caused me to be engaged. And then it always just worked out from there. Some of our sweetest memories were when we were on the trampoline together and, you know, had just worn each other out and we're kind of just all laying there looking up at the clouds and talking to each other and tickling the kids. And like, those are still some of my most precious moments when our kids were younger from those Saturdays and pig piling on top of dad and all the fun things. And then as they've gotten older, right? We've had to merge and morph some of that. Like I don't have oftentimes all four kids all day on Saturday anymore. Um, they have, they have games, they have sports, they have things that they're doing. My daughter, she's a 13 year old girl. So if I even put a hint out there that we're doing boy stuff, sometimes she's like, dad, do I really have to, can I do something else? And so those are pivots, right? And we're yeah. okay with that because I still create the space where we've got that attentionality on Saturdays, we still always do a daddy Saturday in some form or fashion, even if it's just an hour of us doing some activity together. Um, it may be simple as playing a board game in the evening or doing karaoke night or having a dance party or something like that, where it's still just dad saying, Hey guys, um, we have some time today that we can spend together. We're going to be intentional. We're going to build a relationship and build a rapport. But daddy Saturday was always never about Saturday, Scott. I think that's what I want everyone to take away is it's, it's a mindset, right? It's, it's the intentionality of, of how you engage your kids every single day of the week, not just on Saturday. Um, Saturday was my day, but it was also the pivot point for me to be intentional as a catalyst on that day that bled bled into every other day. And so one-on-one time during the week with my kids, that was a big piece we brought into it. How do I make sure that during the week, even if it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes, I'm just spending time with each of my kids one-on-one because the dynamic, the communication, the relationship grows in those moments way different than it does in the chaos of all four kids being together, competing and vying for attention. So I think the bigger the family, the more important that is. And then we incorporated things that, that I know you mentioned winter's travel trips and our winter's travel trips were taking all the kids at 10, 13 and 16 years old. So we've done 
three trips so far, two for my daughter, one for my son, um, around these three-day, four-day trips with each of the kids one-on-one with just dad and blending that into our relationship. So Daddy Saturday started with just me being intentional in the backyard and turned into this entire platform of how I could take my time with my kids. And this is really important. I want the audience to, to listen to this. This is really key. How could I um, build a relationship with my kids so that they wanted to hang out with me and be around dad when they had the option to? Absolutely, especially as they mature and, and life <clears throat> develops with them, for sure. That's the greatest hope I could have as a father is that when my boys are grown and they have life bearing down on them, they have the faith and respect to an openness, you know, to come to me if they want to. And we can have that conversation. Um, that would be the greatest blessing as a father. Yeah. It, but but again, you and you nailed it. That's where you have to be intentional for that to happen. It doesn't happen by chance, right? That happens because you put in the time, you put in the work, you built the relationship over time. So your kids know that that option is there and they see you in that role. Um, you know, one of the things that I found on those one-on-one winter's travel trips is that I learned more about my kids individually in 72 hours than I had in 10 or 13 years of their life, right? Those times were so critical. And one story with my daughter you know, she was going through some challenges as a young teen girl and she was keeping stuff inside and we could just tell her behavior was changing. She wasn't that outgoing, fun, spunky young girl. And she just seemed like she was depressed and kind of withdrawing and like, what's going on? My wife and I are talking about it. And one night I just looked at her and we do daddy daughter date nights a lot. And I said, do we need a date night? And she goes, yeah, dad, we need a date night. And I was like, cool. So we went on a little date night and we had the most amazing conversation some of the conversation I was like, actually, I wish you talked to your mom about this stuff. It's young girl changing type things, but she was going through a rough time. She felt comfortable enough to have the conversation with dad. Like it brings tears to my eyes to think about that, but that was set up by all those one-on-ones, by all those daddy Saturdays, by the, the winter's travel trip that we had just taken together a couple of months before. And we had cemented that open dynamic in our relationship and our communication. And, you know, as long as I don't screw that up, I'm building those building blocks over time so know that'll happen. And, and those listening, Scott, and you can do the same thing, but it takes that intentionality along the way to make that, that dynamic happen. So you just got back from a trip with your little man, um, and, and, uh, in Dallas, right? We did. Yeah. A little- I followed you. I stalked you on that one. <laughs> um, tell me more about that trip and what, what, what you can share about what you just learned about your boy there. I'll, truth be told, I'm stealing directly from your playbook. So my, he's now 11. Uh, we're going to be doing something pretty similar to that. I'm definitely implementing that. I think that was the just a killer idea. Uh, and so we're, at, we're actually going to Dallas too. Our agenda is going to be a little bit different, but just share with me what you learned from that experience and, 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 and also your boy. Yeah, a couple of quick things that I'll, I'll use to set it up. So the way we do these trips are um, they get to select the location. We're, we're blessed and able to take our kids to some cool spots. So at 10, it's anywhere in the U.S., 13, anywhere in the U.S. and surrounding islands, 16, it's anywhere in the world. So we got to work really hard to pay for all these trips. But, man, what a great investment, right? I mean, you got people in the financial space talking about building a legacy. What better investment could you make than mm-hmm. in your own kids and in yourself? And so that's how I viewed it. Um, doesn't have to be expensive, expensive, extravagant, or extraordinary. You could just go camping. You could go to a hotel in a local area. It doesn't matter. You're just getting away one-on-one with your kids. 
Second thing we do is that I um, let them plan the agenda. So what is it they want to do? Like what's the one big thing or the theme they're looking for? Um, my son Blaine was 10. He wanted to go to a massive water park and do all these insane water slides. And he wanted to go hunting and get his first kill. And so those are the two things that he, he asked for. So then we together did some research. I kind of pointed him in the right direction. Dallas was a good mix. We had some big water parks we could go to that were still open via COVID. And we could also uh, had a good friend down there that had 200 acre ranch. We could go hunting on and he had invited us down to and agreed to the trip. So I was like, there we go. We're going to Dallas. Um, let him pick out the rental car. He got a Dodge Challenger RT turbo with a Hemi. Uh, it was all fired up about that. So all the little things like that, right, um, that we looked at, he, he got the plan and he got to pick it out. It's all within reason, but um, that's a big part of the, the secret sauce, right, is having your kids help plan that trip. What great lessons for them to search for the hotels and the restaurants and help plan the itinerary. Most kids never get to do that until they're in their adulthood. So good lesson and learned in that. Um, my son Blaine is like me. He's like a mini me. The hardest part of parenting often is parenting the you out of your child. So Blaine and I are very much alike and, and go at it quite often. So it was a great trip for us just to kind of reconnect and reconvene the two of us without the dynamic of his two younger brothers there. Uh, a couple of things I learned. So I knew this going in, but Blaine is um, scared of heights. He's scared of raccoons, which is totally random from a story <laughs> when he was a kid. And, and he's um, scared of the dark. And so when we got there to the ranch, um, I told Heath, who was my friend who had us out on the ranch about those things. And so he made Blaine do several different challenges to overcome his fears. We took him out on the ATV late at night, shut off the lights, made him do some work in the dark. Um, We put him on ladders and deer stands. He had to climb up to conquer his fear of heights. Then they had a dead raccoon, like a hand trap, and they made him go get the raccoon out of the hand trap and go throw it in the, in the river. So we were joking about all of it, but you know, Blaine got a chance to face his fears and overcome his fears. And then probably the most priceless moment of the whole trip was we had shot some of the guns and went through gun safety and we're out on their little range that they had on the ranch and Blaine shot all the different guns and he shot up to a 270, which is a very high powered, big rifle, right? He got to shoot. And so he had his earmuffs on and it was, it was fine in target practice. Well, the next day we get out and he sets his sight on this bighorn ram and it's his, it's his chance to get the kill. And he initially was out there with the 270 and he's like, I want the 243. I, I don't want to shoot the 270. And he started getting teared up. I'm like, why? And he's like, it's just, it scares me. The gun scares me. And so the, the astute leader that Heath was just kind of said, you know what? It's cool, buddy. Let's go back. Let's get some lunch. Let's regroup. And we'll come back out in a little bit. So we went back in the lodge and we had a little conversation. We talked about when you have a fear, when you're afraid of something, like what are you afraid of? We talked about the sound, the noise that it makes. We talked about the, the kick that the gun would make. We talked about all the things that could happen, right? And we went from his, his um, lizard brain, which is in the back of your head, back to his logic brain through that conversation. And he was able to overcome his fears. And he said, you know what? I'm ready to go back out and do it. So we went back out found the, the ram again, got it in our sights. He lined up, took the shot, one shot, ram was down, he got his kill. Unbelievable story, and he was so happy. I watched my son overcome a fear, conquer something he'd never done before, and we had a guide along the way, another man to help him through the process. And I got to sit back and observe that. That, that is story, so cool. You know, we'll go down in, in history. The, we're getting the head mounted, so we'll have that in the house to tell the story down the road. And, you know, I would have paid 
10 times, 100 times what we paid to go do that, just to have that experience in that moment with my son. Yeah, I like the fact, too, it, you, you, you recognize I'm not the, you know, the end-all, be-all for my children. And if there's areas of expertise that I need to call upon, well, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to put them in front of the best people that I know how to accomplish what it is they're trying to accomplish. And hunting is a perfect example of that. Yeah, so we, we call it the hero versus the guide concept. And there's so many books written and websites and companies that promote, you know, dad is hero. And I think that's great in premise, but it's bad in practice. Because when you do that in practice, what it does is it makes it about you as the dad. And it takes the emphasis off the child. And it's more about you succeeding and your ego and your pride as a dad versus allowing your kid to be the hero of their own story, experience success or failure on their own with you there guiding them through the process. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, right, that allows the child, one, to experience failure, which is so important to have that. Like Blaine experienced failure in that moment, right? He got gun shy and couldn't make the shot. That's a failure. But he recovered from that. We walked him through it and guided him through the process, and he was able to overcome and ultimately have success. Great learnings in that process. That only happens when you position yourself as the guide. Hero dad would have grabbed the gun and taken the shot for his kid, right? And that's a, a bold example, but that that's what happens oftentimes in practice as fathers. The other thing that it does that you just mentioned is it allows you to position yourself by removing your pride and your ego to allow other great men in your kids' lives who have expertise, who have skill sets and areas you don't to provide them those experiences. I have taken my kids and done some of the coolest things, haven't paid for half of them simply by asking other amazing men to come into my kids' lives and to teach them things and give them experiences that they're all willing to do every time I've ever asked. I've never been told no and my kids have had the huge benefit of that. And the irony of all of it is that guess who ends up being the hero in the long run? Me, right? Because yeah. I gave my kids that experience. They had that. It also allows you to stand back and observe your kids, which is so critical to understand their personality traits, their characteristics, right? What they're skilled in, passionate about. When you're in it and you're so close to it, it's hard to see those things. But when someone else is working with your kids and you can step back and watch that happen, then it gives you so much insight into your kid's personality and their characteristics that um, will allow you to help move them forward towards their calling. That is fantastic. You know, I'll just share for our experience thus far with my son, James, where we're just basically step one of this. And I did exactly <clears throat> um, what, what you've been doing, uh, which is what is it that you're passionate about what what can we do what is it that you want to accomplish so there's where we just kind of fell into the location but with that he booked the airfare the hotel the rental car and just him learning all of that he was he yeah. was in love with all of that and he also he recognized wow dad a hotel costs this much money yeah yeah, yeah it does actually you know and he, he james picked the same car so with any luck, we'll get a Dodge Challenger on our trip. He was all enamored about that it's funny world. Um, one thing, last thing I'll say, and we can move on from that too, is my, my in my situation, an example, again, it doesn't need to be, even the 72-hour trip doesn't need to be a lavish experience. My boys would be, they would learn so much from just a 72-hour camping trip or a backpacking trip, if you will, that I could probably do for 250 bucks, you know? That's right. If I'm being very intentional about it, so it does not need to be, you know, this lavish thing. That's not what it's about. It's about your kids and, and the quality of time and what they learn from that experience. 
That's exactly it. And I think that the neat part about it is when you do what you just described, right? Because camping has its own set of values that you can get out of that. But when you're talking about booking things and there's that value of money and Blaine was the same way, Hayden was the same way when we did her trips, right? She's looking at that going, I had no idea that that's how much this costs. And we go through the whole trip and you're like, here's the food, here's the hotel, here's the airfare, here's the experiences, right? And all of a sudden now they start to, they value money and they understand that. And now they get, when we take a vacation as a family or we travel, we go do something, they're way more, they have way more gratitude and they're way more thankful because they understand the, the monetary piece behind it instead of it's being enabled or entitled by it. You know, as previous road warriors, you know, corporate travel and all of that, <clears throat> we totally take for granted the skill set required to book airfare and shop for the flights and look at itineraries and all that, you know, it was a big deal. I mean, him lear- going to different websites and learning, okay, well, you know, you got to look at flight times and flights connect and all of that stuff. What a great learning experience that you wouldn't learn really anywhere until you're thrust into doing it on your own. Um, uh, I, I equate it to changing a tire in today's society, right? One of the best Cub Scout Den meetings I've ever had in my life, by the way, when I was a kid, that was one of our den meetings. And that was like the one sticking memory (laughs) that I learned. um, And thankfully I did because you either know how or you don't know how, and you don't want to be the latter. (laughs) That's right. Um, Talk to me about the four D's of discipline. Disrespect, dishonest, destructiveness, and disobedience. I love that in the book. Yeah, so those are the the four the four horsemen, the four D's in our household. And when our kids get in trouble, it's because they violated the D's. Um, we're not perfect with this, but we try to let the other things that are outside of that just kind of we we brush them over, or we don't really focus on them too much because otherwise, you find yourself just constantly nagging at your kids, right? And they can get old, especially with four kids. There's one of them always doing something wrong. And what we found was that if we focus on the four D's, those are the areas that we wanted to build true character around. Um, disrespect and disobedience are probably the two of the biggest. And, you know, if my kids ever disrespect my wife, especially my boys, or if they are um, disobedient and we call delayed obedience, disobedience, by the way. So if they're constantly delaying being obedient and we ask them to do something, that's a form of disobedience. And we'll, we'll correct them when they do it, you know, once or twice around one of those things. But if they're doubling up or tripling up, which sometimes they do and they hit all four at once, man, that's when we come down hard. And those are some intense conversations. And we make sure that we are talking about like, is that, is that, is that honoring to God? Is that honoring to your parents or to your mom in that case for being disrespectful? Is that honoring to your family, your siblings? And we walk through what that means. Is that aligned with our values that we've established as a family? Is that who you want to be? And oftentimes um, in those conversations, we get them thinking critically about their own behaviors and their own actions and decisions. And that allows us to, to correct the behavior. Again, not perfect here by any means. I think discipline is one of the hardest things that any parent has to do and do effectively. And it changes over time, right? When your kids are younger, it's you can you can use more of that authoritarian and kind of just say, mm-hmm. no, that's wrong and here's why. But as your kids get older, you really have to start to explain that here's why piece of it and tie it back to something else. Um, one of the things that we've really helped that's helped us in this process with the four Ds is by having our kids create their own um, their own dream boards. And we had them write there instead of our eulogies, which we did as adults, we had them write their kind of high school commencement speech and who they wanted to be when they were graduating high school. And when we've aligned to that, it makes it much easier because when they're 
doing those things, we can say, hey, does that align to the goal you set for yourself? Is that going to help you get to where you want to be or you said you want it to be? And if not, then what can we do to change that behavior? And then worst case, we've got a huge hill in front of our house. So I go make them run the hill or do burpees. I love that. I see. I love the fitness aspect of it. I took <clears throat> another um, piece out of your playbook where I bought those Spartan pancakes. Yes. And they, that just doing it a couple times, Justin, um, for for my boys, it's been a huge difference. We've only done it three times, four times since we've got the pancakes and filled. and But mindset and just everything that subliminally went along with that, it's been really good. So top, nobody knows what the Spartan pancakes are. So talk about that. <laughs> so... When we moved to our farm outside of Nashville, which we now live on, there's a, a big hill in the front. And it's about um, a quarter mile down and back and about 400 feet of elevation from the base to the top of the hill. And so um, in the mornings before school, I had this idea, kind of patterning it after Spartan founder Joe DeSena, what he does with his kids. Early in the mornings, we'd go out and I'd make them walk that hill and we'd have what I call driveway devotionals, where I would just talk about um, a concept, a Bible verse, um, some character building qualities, and just spend time real quickly down and back about 10 minutes up the hill and just have that time before school with my kids. And that turned into Wednesday. I had this idea, well, Wednesday's heavy day or hump day, and why not make it heavy day hump day? And so we started carrying rocks down the hill and back up. My wife didn't like that because I kept getting the kids' clothes all dirty before <laughs> school. And so we changed over to Spartan pancakes, which a Spartan pancake is like a, um, a neoprene bag that um, is filled with sand and it's like a, kind of a heavy bag and it's perfect for kids. You can go from 10 pounds up to our kids go to 40 pounds and it's just great for them to be able to carry something. It's super flexible and they can carry on their shoulders or across their chest. And the whole premise of that is that, look, in life, you're going to face obstacles on a normal day. Those obstacles are just, you know, going up back and forth up the hill. But if you overcame that today and this morning, you can overcome anything else that's going to be thrown your way during the day. You've already beat something. Look back and remember that you can beat whatever is thrown in front of you on heavy day. It's a, Hey, sometimes life is really going to pour it on. You're going to have extra weight that's that's on your shoulders. And what are you going to do to choose, choose to do with that weight? Are you going to push through it? Are you going to do it by yourself? Are you going to share that weight? Right. And give that weight to, to me as your dad, like they physically sometimes will pass the weight off to me, especially my little guy at points. So we have to take that from when we talk about the relationship with God and, you know, your yoke is not heavy, your burden is light and sharing that as well. It's a powerful moment that we get to share together every single day and every single week on that heavy day. Mm -hmm. And my kids, I, we call it all the time. I'm like, babe, I've watched our kids literally transform in terms of who they are in their mindset over the past couple of months by just putting in the time and doing that before school every day, like they are becoming warriors and their mindset is growing and sharpening and they can repeat things and say things and they believe things and speak positively over themselves. And they go back and it's those hill moments that are doing it. Yeah. It's that little seed that you're planting, you know, that, that it just grows and grows and grows. And that's just yeah. one little example of the sum of the parts can become truly great. Um, people look at me sometimes they're like, I don't have a hill at my house. And I'm like, you don't, you know, you don't have to have the hill, right? You don't have to do it expensive and extravagant. The point is just do it, right? Go to school early and walk around the school a couple of times with your kids. Add weight, and, just add weight, get empty milk cartons, you know, the yeah. gallons, fill it with water and have them carry those. That's a, that's go. a burden. 
You don't have to carry two of those for very long before you're really thinking about life. That's exactly right. Especially as a little little kiddo, you know. Um, here, if you don't have a vision for your kids and your kids don't have a vision for themselves, then you're missing out on a golden opportunity for them to become who they were meant to be, all because you weren't intentional about helping them paint their picture. As kids grow, this becomes... I mean, I'm, my interest in this is increasingly growing because it becomes, it becomes a very deep thought process of how am I going to help them with this journey of life and, and, and unlocking the true potential of who they can be. I think visioning is so critical and you've got a, a professional audience listening to this and how often do we take things from our workplace and we leave, we leave the, the best things in the workplace and we bring the worst things from the workplace back home. And my, so my true. challenge to each of you listening is that you take the best of the workplace and bring it home. What I mean by that is mission, vision, values, goal setting, planning, right? All those things that we do really well for our companies and our businesses, we often don't bring into the home. So unless you know what your direction is with your kids, you've got that true north, that compass set, then you're just going to meander through life as a father, as a parent, and not hit the end destination, the end goal, which is raising good kids that become great adults. So that visioning exercise is a powerful one that we do with our kids. We do it every single year. Uh, for them, it's at the beginning of the school year because that's kind of their calendar year, right? My wife and I do it at the beginning of the, the calendar year. And we set that vision board out. We actually make a board. It's so fun. They get to go through magazines and on the internet and print pictures and cut them out and make their board. We typically put it into categories, faith, family, fitness, finances, for them, finances is like a, it's a smaller category than what we do, but we still talk about money and where they're going to put it. Talk about fun, um, family travel, right? Those are all kind of the categories on the board. And then we lay that out and it's, where do you want to go for vacation as a family this year? Uh, what do you want to accomplish in school in terms of your fitness? So you're playing sports. What does that look like? And they set smart goals for each one of those. And it's not, just like, I want to play football this year. It's like, I want to play football and I want to be um, the starting running back and as a starting running back, I want to be a captain on the team and I want to do, I want to score 25 touchdowns. And like, they literally just list out all their stats and, and what they're going to do. And then we talk about, so, okay, so how are we going to do that? This goes all the way back to what we just talked about, which is if your kids set a vision and set goals for their life, even if it's just for the year in front of them, then you're able to, to work, use those against them in a positive way. So you said you wanted to do this is playing video games right now going to be the way that you're going to score 25 touchdowns next season in football, or is it by getting outside and getting active and working at your craft, right? That's going to help you get there. Um, so that visioning exercise is really pivotal and it's fun to watch your kids. The more they do it, the better they get at it. It's a learned exercise, a learned experience. And I'm amazed at what my six-year-old is putting on his, his vision board. Um, and the kids are really starting to move it forward. They also have all started businesses. And so they'll put their business on their vision board and what they want to do with that. And, you know, it's been a powerful experience for our family. So I would encourage everyone to sit down with your kids and walk them through that exercise, put their boards in their room. And then once a month, you pull it out and you revisit it as a family. And becoming really good and aware at goal setting, uh, setting SMART goals, you know, the, the acronym and all of that. You know, we use this analogy quite a bit in, <clears throat> in working in the financial planning space is, you know, so many Americans spend significantly more time planning vacations than they do their retirement. Um, you know, you mentioned we spend so much time in our business, 
mission, purpose, values, what our structure of our business is, but yet we don't, why are we not spending equivalent or more time on our family, on our children, who at the end of it all is really our, I mean, our greatest asset, you know? That's the, that's the big question, man. And what I found in my own life and in research of talking to hundreds, if not thousands of fathers at this point, is that it's, it's easier. It's easier to focus on our businesses. It's easier to focus on our work than it is to, to do the work to be engaged and to learn and to grow as a, as a father, as a parent. And the reason why that is, I think, is because, like anything else, um, we, we spend so much time, effort, and energy being focused on winning at work that we often don't focus on what it takes to win at home. And, you know, I would look at your two things. Where are you spending your time? And where are you spending your resources? You look at your bank account, you look at your calendar, that'll tell you a lot about where you're investing, what you're investing in. And if those aren't clearly, you have to work, you need to provide for your family. So you need to be spending significant time there. But in the time you have outside of work, are you spending that time with your family? Are you engaging them? Are you intentional when you're there? Are you present, right? What does that look like? Where are you spending your money? Are you spending your money on your kids and taking them on experiences and helping them grow and building that, building their character out and investing in them or are you investing in other things, mm -hmm. right? It's all a choice. We have decisions to make with all of it. I just feel like it's easier at times, right? It's that's why we don't see a lot of men taking paternity leave because they, they take that time off. And like, I don't know what to do with myself right, right now. The kid right. doesn't need me right They're especially with your first child. Like they're all about my wife, literally they're all over her, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. But it's like, there's so much you can do. You can invest in your wife during those moments, right? If you're going to lay on the couch and watch football, you can have the baby on your chest just holding the baby. There's feedings. There's all sorts of stuff you can do, but it's just easier to go back to work because we're comfortable there, right? And comfort is what drives a lot of our behaviors and our decisions today. And that's why I talk about so much the principle of being comfortable being uncomfortable because to be a dad who's intentional and engaged, man, you are going to be uncomfortable at so many phases of the game but you've got to learn to be able to break through that and be uncomfortable and, and be comfortable doing it. Yeah, the word I, I that resonates with me, it's like convenient, right? It's convenient to Im immerse myself in my practice because it's what we're always you know, programmed to do, college, get your career, go on, um, as opposed to breaking out of the convenience and being uncomfortable. <clears throat> um, so we've talked about fathers and sons, but there's also this fatherless epidemic that, that Daddy Saturday movement is doing some good with. Talk a little bit about that for the kids out there that don't have kids and, and, and how we can make a difference in their lives, not just domestically, but I think you're doing some stuff also or attempting to internationally, correct? That's right. So, you know, we, we spent the majority of our first couple of, first two years really addressing the second side of that fatherless coin, which is the dad who's in the home who's physically there, just not fully engaged, right? That was low hanging fruit for me. As I said, I know how to ignite that dad, get him engaged, get him having fun, make him that epic dad and create those moments with his kids. So that's what Daddy Saturday started at and is still all about. Through our foundation, our nonprofit, we also focus on fatherless kids. And we do have a program in Kenya, it's Daddy Saturday Kenya. Mm. We've served about 3000 kids there. Um, we've got uh, boots on the ground, we've got a home office, we've got a radio program and we're doing great work on um, something really important over there, positive masculinity and positive fem femininity and really helping kids establish that positive view of themselves 
and many of the kids don't have a dad. So we do talk about um, what it takes to, to be successful and make it through the circumstances of being fatherless. Domestically, we've got several programs that we've got um, that are rolling out. Our first is called Kid Boss, and Kid Boss is all about creating education and experiences for fatherless kids. The education piece, we've got an app that's coming out in about two months, and it's going to help kids with the areas of spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, relational, financial, and entrepreneurship. And so we've got some amazing contributors like Dave Ramsey, um, John Maxwell, Spartan Race, um, a few others that are really contributing amazing content. And that app will be a way that they can engage in education and have access to things that um, expert dads, expert men in those areas will be able to teach them and be additional guides. And it's not just for fatherless kids, by the way, right? I mean, my kids are going to use it. I hope that your kids use it. I hope that all kids use it and dads use it as a tool to help enrich and grow their kids' lives. But we're also then pairing those kids with mentors that are fatherless, whether that's through a mentor network that's established in their community or we're doing some university partnerships. We've got our first one with Clemson coming up called Tiger Kids. And we're actually going to pair the kids with student athletes as mentors. So we're super excited about some of those programs, and it's a way that we can work towards our ultimate goal, which is ending the cycle of fatherlessness. And that includes both sides of that, right? It's the dad who's in the home, getting them reengaged, reducing or removing the absentee father, but also uh, focusing on those kids that don't have a father figure and, and matching them up with a mentor and giving them the education they need. That's fantastic. I look forward to getting more involved uh, with that. So how do individuals that are looking to get behind the movement and get involved how do they find you what resources are resources are available yeah so easiest place to find everything is our hub daddysaturday.com the website's currently being redesigned so so if, regardless of when this was released about a week from now so really soon go back to the website and we'll have all new information updated there they'll have all the ways that you can fully get involved on the website but go there now. There's lots of resources there for you. Uh, best way to contact me directly is on LinkedIn at Justin Batt, B-A-T-T. And then um, if you want to, as a father, level up your life in the areas of faith, family, fitness, and finances, you can go to dadboss.com and get access to our curriculum, our course, and a community that we're launching for, for all dads to help uh, join in community with other dads that are like them and want to level up in those areas and also here for some experts and the, those four areas as well. So dadboss.com, daddysaturday.com, and at Justin Bat on LinkedIn. And there, uh, on one of the sites, there was like a list of things to do for Daddy Saturday, right? So we do. You can download a playbook um, as well, which is, has our 52 ideas. And we've got an Alexa skill and a Google Assistant as well. So you can always just ask Alexa what you should do for Daddy Saturday once you enable the skill. And she'll give you an idea based on the weather in your area and put that idea right in your inbox as well as in your Amazon list. You can order the items if you need them. That is darn cool. Good for you. Embracing technology, you know, leading the charge. That's awesome. I, in the book, um, it was so I told my boys about this one, the, um, the, the bubble wrap sumo wrestling. Yes. It's like 10 bucks, you know, and, and I told my boy and they were like, their eyes just got as big as, you know, quarters. And we're like, yeah, we got to do that. Yeah, it's, um, it's been one of our favorites. Any of them that we've had to repeat multiple times, I think that's like a three or four peat at this point. And uh, if you got a trampoline, it's great. And then the swimming pool is kind of hilarious too because they get super sweaty, especially when it's hot out and all the bubble wrap. And they would go and just lay in the pool and just float on their backs like turtles afterwards. So 
Um, you can get hours of fun out of the bubble wrap battle, my friend. That's so cool. I love that. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Um, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do it again. And um, when I can, I'd look forward to meeting you in person. Scott, thank you so much, man. I look forward to it as well. Take care.